0: Remain standing with me for just a few moments. Last week I spoke a message with you titled, What Are You Made Of? I want to give you the second part of that. Part two, what are you made of? Part two. But also in light of yesterday's winnings, (laughs) I've also entitled this, what are you made of, part two, gold-blooded? And you'll see why in just a little bit. People say, you're cold-blooded, that's cold. Well, prayerfully after this message, you will be gold-blooded. Second Chronicles chapter 12, if you have it, give me a mm hmm Every once in a while, you gotta give yourself a little wake up there with him. Mm-hmm. Second Chronicles chapter twelve, verse nine says, "When Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem, he carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace." Somebody say royal palace. Then it says he took everything, including the gold shields Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them. And assign these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance of the royal palace. Whenever the king went to the Lord's temple, the guards went with him bearing the shields. And afterward they returned them to the guard room. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with me. Let your Holy Spirit be behind this pulpit, Lord God. Not me, but you. Let he that has an ear, let him hear, my God. Lord, I pray that faith would arise and grow stronger. After today, Lord God, we do not want to be made of brass. We want to be made of gold, pure gold, for your honor and for your glory, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all together we said, Amen. before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and ask them, what are you made of? Then you may be seated. Somebody say brass. And somebody say gold. Gold. Say it with me one more time. Say brass. Somebody say gold. Winston Churchill said, however beautiful the strategy, you should occasionally look at the results. When I read this, I was thought of right away, somebody had let me know about a movie. They said, Man, you should go check out this movie. You should check it out, man. It's a really good movie. I think you'll like it. So, you, are you sure? You know, yeah, you'll like it. So then I saw the previews. I went, Oh, man, that's, it does. It looks like a very good movie. Oh, wow. I said, Check that out. So I remember the day came and we prepared for it. We we're like, Oh, man. I mean, a lot of people, they probably stood in line the night before midnight showing. It's kind of a new cultural thing that has begun to happen within this past generation. Midnight showings. Let's go watch it. Let's get there early. I mean, usually movies used to come out on Saturdays and people would go early in the morning to go watch it. Now they, can, they say, no, nah, not Saturdays. Let's watch it on Friday. Not Friday. Let's watch it on Thursday. You know, we, we anticipate. We get it ready. And I remember somebody said, you should go watch the movie. I said, all right. I'm going to watch it. I, th- I think I'm going to watch it. He said, yeah, you're going to like it. I said, well, how did you see it? Oh, I saw the preview. I saw, I saw it before it came out. Ooh, you saw it before it came out. Man, you're awesome. Man, you've got the heads up on things. So I said, all right, I'm going to go check it out. So I waited, you know, for the lines to go down, and then I went to go check it out. And I remembered, everybody had said, man, it's a good movie. You're going to like it. So I went, and I saw the movie. The place was packed. A lot of people there. And we're there all watching the movie. I was like, oh, it's a pretty good movie. All right. Oh, it's pretty good. Oh, wow, look at that. Oh, it's pretty good. And as the movie progressed, I was like, wow, this, this must be a really good ending because, man, it's a twist. Nobody, how is this going to happen? And I tried to figure it out. And as the movie went along, if you're like me, I like to figure out movies. And I figured out the movie kind of, I'd say about halfway through, but I go, nah, that can't be the real reason because if that's the reason, this movie is not a really good one. I can't, there has to be another reason. And usually what I will do, if I'm with somebody, I don't like to talk in movies because I like, don't don't talk to me. I'm paying attention to this movie. But when it comes to figuring out movies, what I will do is I will whisper to the person next to me, this is the purpose of the movie. I'll just do that. Just to see if I'm right. And if I'm right, praise the Lord. I got it. But if I didn't, eh. But I whisper to the person, this is the reason. I go, I hope this is not the reason. But I think this is the reason. And so when the movie came, the movie was over, and all of a sudden, the reason why I didn't want it to be, it really was. And I'll never forget, the movie ended, and everybody in the whole place, just about, I'd say, I'm not joking, about 80% of the people at the same time went, oh, man. We were walking out the movie, I'm not kidding, we were walking out the movie, and there was a, you know, uh, there's always a group of guys that they just want to share their opinion really loud, you know. And one guy, he's like, I want my money back, man. This is all, you know, there's hundreds of us walking out. And he's yelling, oh, this movie was whack, horrible. Because it initially, initially looked good. But when the movie was over, everyone was like, this is horrible. I can't believe I spent $10 to watch this. Give me my money. I mean, everybody was frustrated. Everybody was mad because the end result wasn't as good as the expectation. The end result was not what we were looking for because at the beginning, everything looked good. But at the end, we found out it wasn't as good as we thought. See, and many times, many of us, we come to church thinking, all I got to do is come to church and I'm going to look good. No, my friend, your end result may not be as good as you think. See, because it actually takes some effort and some work into being a Christian. See, a lot of people think, I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to sit in the chair, therefore, I'm a Christian. An old preacher once said, just because you're in a garage does not make you a car. And it's the same way when it comes to church. Just because you are in a church does not make you a Christian. See, a lot of times you will not hear preachings like this because the pastor wants to make sure that you come back next week. See, my job is not to make sure that you come back next week. That is a very small .01 percentage of pastoring. My actual job is to make sure that you hear the word, hear the truth, respond to the truth, and move and adjust your life to the truth. That's my job. I have to speak the truth. And now I must speak it in love. I can't just come over here and say, you need to change. Because if I'm not changing, there's no love. But if I tell you, hey, you need to change because I'm changing too. I acknowledge who God is in my life, and I'm doing my best, then I pray you will too. See, that, my friend, is what is called being a Christian in church. Not just coming to church and attending church, but being a Christian and a Christian of character. Can I hear an amen? Amen. See, last week, if you were here, I just want to give you a brief review. So if you were not here, you'll understand what I'm talking about. We talked about this king by the name of Rehoboam there in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 12, and we learned that last week that he was the grandson of King David, a very famous man in the Bible, who was also the son, King Rehoboam was the son of King Solomon, one of the richest men in the Bible, one of the smartest men ever in the Bible. He also, King Rehoboam, began his reign of King of Israel at the age of 41, and he was in that position until he was 58 years old. We also learn about how King Rehoboam, the Bible says in verse 1 of 2 Chronicles chapter 12, that he forsook the law of the Lord, and this is the key, all of Israel went with him. And when it comes to being a leader or when it comes to being a Christian, you need to know that people are following you. See, when you say, or let me rephrase that, when people ask you, what church do you go to? And you say, "Well, I go to Victory Outreach Church in the heart of the bay. Right away, they look at you as a leader. Because they want to know what you're doing. What are you, okay, what kind of person is this really? Is he really a Christian? Is he really who he says he is? Is she really that wife or that woman that she says that she is? Because when you say Christian, boom, right away people look at you and say, wow. And the Bible says here that King Rehoboam, he became a king. And whether you were a good leader or a good Christian or even a bad Christian, People will follow you because they say, well, she's doing it. Look at her. She's supposed to be a good person. She's doing it. That's what King Rehoboam did. He's supposed to be the king. And the Bible says all of Israel went with him. See, so that means that you must be very careful when it comes to being a Christian for God because people are following you. Look at the person next to you say, people are following you. The Bible says that he became prideful and prideful in the way that he did not prepare his heart. See, my friend, preparation is a very big deal. That's why those of you that come, and I want to I challenge you. Those of you that come to church, and, and if you think, well, I, I come to church, and I just want to hear the word, hearing the word is a part of it. It is a, a part of it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. That is a part of coming to church service. But I want to I, I do my best to challenge you. Come at 10 o'clock. Even come early if you can. But come, I tell him, because we want to prepare our heart for worship, worshiping God, giving him all the glory, singing it, saying it with our mouth, saying it with our tongue, singing it, worship him. The Bible says he did not prepare his heart for worship. Preparation is a very big deal. So I want to challenge you. So for those of you that say, well, I just want to come, hear the word, listen, come and worship God. At 10 o'clock, come to our worship service. We have a great time. We got A.J. He's got long hair. It's great. <laughs> the boy can sing. Can I hear an amen? amen? One of these days, I believe our church, we're going we're gonna to make a worship album. And I believe that A.J. is going to write a lot of those songs. I believe that. And the team, the worship team, they're going to write a lot of songs. See, preparation is a big part of Tomorrow, the best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today. Someone once said, I like what Ralph Emerson said about preparation. He said, Men succeed when they realize that their failures are the preparation for their victories. Everything that you went through was just nothing more, uh, all the failures that you had was nothing more than a preparation for your victory. In other words, it's on its way. You might have thought that you messed up. You might have thought that you failed even before you got here. Maybe last night you were at the club doing your thing with your feet and your, uh, your hands and dancing and moving. And say, man, well, I messed up. I, I know I just barely made it to church. I'm still drunk at church. Listen, I'm glad you're here at church. At least you made it to church. But now after that, the truth is stop getting drunk. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Stop getting drunk. See, now that I told you the truth, now it's up to you. move your life towards it and adjust your life towards it see your yesterday's failures were preparation for your tomorrow's victories everything that you went through everything that you experienced it wasn't so that the enemy could look at look at you and say look at that is my trophy no it was actually so that it could prepare you for the victories that are ahead can I hear an amen come on can I hear an amen See, the Bible says that King Rehoboam, he began to prosper. And he looked very good on the outside. But on the inside, he was very corrupt. Then in verse 5, the Bible says that the prophet Shemaiah came to the king and told him that Shishak was going to destroy him. But the Lord saw how they had humbled themselves. So instead of destroying all of Israel, something else was going to take place. Not because of how wise they had become, but because they had forsaken God. So what happened was... God forsook them. See, even though God himself told his children, even though, even God himself had to tell his very own children, he had to leave them. He just left them alone. Now, I know many people take to the scripture and say, God will never leave me nor forsake me. And it is very true. But it is all in context to the obedience of God's will. If you read and study the scriptures, there's many times where God left his very own people, he left them alone. He says, I'm not going to mess with them. Because they're not listening to me. See, a lot of times I I know that we come to church and we say, God hears me. God actually hears you outside of church too. He doesn't just hear you in church. He hears you outside of church. But it's all in obedience to God's will. That's why many times I believe I'm thankful. One of the greatest things that I'm thankful for is unanswered prayers. I'm very thankful for that. You know why? Because probably some of the prayers, if they would have actually been answered, some of you may not be here right now. Because some of you, you, probably, if you were like me, when you were younger, say, "God, just give me a million dollars." That's all I ask for, just a million. Not two million because I don't want to get greedy. Just give me a million dollars. And God, I promise you, I'll tithe, I will give, I will help the hurting, because my wife is hurting, so I'm going to give her a little something too. God, I promise you, I totally. I promise you, look, nothing is crossed, God. Nothing is crossed. I promise you. God says, all right. I'm going to give you a million. Here, let's start with a thousand. So really the question is, how did you handle that thousand? Did you tithe with a thousand? See, a lot of times we want a million. That's why I thank God for unanswered prayer. I think, I I really thank God for unanswered prayer because I probably would not be married to my wife today if I would have gotten the first person that came along. And I would have went after that. I probably wouldn't be here right now. Why? Because I, I oh God, she's the one. I know she's the one. Yes, she is. Look at how great she looks. Oh man, she's awesome. She's beautiful. And then I got to know her, and went, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, God, the prayer that I gave you like last month. Don't answer that. That was horrible, A horrible prayer. Don't. I? <laughs> Don't ever answer that ever again. See, if God were to always hear our prayers and we think God just He has a checklist. Oh, okay, oh, check. Oh, you want that? Okay, check. Oh, that check. But really, a lot of times God just leaves you alone. Thank God He leaves me alone because I gotta grow. Thank God He leaves you alone because you gotta grow. See, God will never leave you nor forsake you, but you gotta be in His will. Be in God's Perfect will, not permissive will, it's perfect will. See, some of you right now, you're playing around with this permissive will. In other words, you can do some of those things just because you want your flesh takes over. But you've got to say, you know what, God, I-, I need to get back in your perfect will. And I want you to answer the prayers of a righteous man, not an unrighteous man, not a selfish man, not a selfish woman, but a righteous man. Because that's where I know they're going to avail availeth much. Can I hear an Amen. See, we must be able to stay within God's will. Even God himself, he left Moses, David, Abraham, Joshua, even his very own son. Jesus said, why hast thou forsaken me? See, God never forsook him. What God forsakes is sin. He doesn't like sin. When it comes to sin, God does not play around. That's why many times, many of us, we come to church and we say, God, answer my prayer. But he's looking down and saying, answer my will. Are you doing what I've called you to do? Stop playing around with those little things. Stop messing around with those little things that are sin. Some of you may think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going out there and getting drunk and getting high anymore. Okay, praise the Lord, you're not. But what's coming out of your tongue? Are you st- do you still have that in your heart when that whenever you see that woman, you just like to talk about her. Ooh, who does she think she is? The only difference now, you just don't do it drunk. That's the only difference. You gotta be very careful. See, God, He doesn't like sin. Matter of fact, God doesn't like sin so much that if He has to, He'll wipe out the whole earth. Just ask Noah. He was tired of it. He said, Man, I'm ready to take out everybody. Thank God for Noah. Amen. Can I hear it? Amen. Noah said, Wait, just God, just what about me and my family? So, all right, praise the Lord. All right, we'll do that. So, God is very serious when it comes to sin. That's why here in verse 7, you see how God looks at King Rehoboam and says, I'm not going to destroy them, but I'm going to make them subject or servants to another king. And I'm going to take my grace and I'm going to take my glory. And that's what the the gold shields represented. And the gold shields represented the glory of God, the protection of God, and the praise of God. So in order for this king not to look bad, because you got to remember, he was a leader. Don't want to look bad. Nobody ever wants to look bad. So King Rehoboam said, okay, I'm not going to look bad. What am I going to do? I'm going to take these gold shields and replace them with brass shields. And last week, if you were here, I, I told you about how the difference between gold and brass, how gold is a good conductor of heat. Tell your neighbor, a conductor. And if you are a good conductor, in other words, the spirit can flow through you properly. See, some of you, even though you're listening to this message, and some of you know, man, I'm just not right right now. But you're feeling the power of God. You're feeling the presence of God. See, a good conductor can experience the presence of God and then allow the presence of God to flow right out of them. That's what a good conductor does. A good conductor is able to, man, this is powerful. I need to take this to my family. Man, this is great. I need to take this to my coworkers that's going through it. See, that's a good conductor. When you're made of gold, you're able to have that. You're able to take the presence and allow it to flow right through you. See, and then we also talked about brass. How come, why did this king take the brass shields? Well, it's because brass looks exactly like gold, but it's not gold. Brass is actually used only for decoration. And for coin. And it tarnishes really easy. It looks like gold, but it's not gold. Now one thing that I also learned in the study of the difference between brass and gold is that brass cannot take a whole lot of heat. Look at this. The boiling point for brass is 900 to 940 degrees. But the boiling point for gold, look at this, is 2,807 degrees. So, in other words, there is a very big difference on what can get gold hot and what cannot. There is a very big difference on what can get you heated and what doesn't. See, when it comes to gold, not everything gets them mad. But when it comes to brass, a lot of things get them mad. Ooh, she did not say that about me. Ooh. Man, just let me see her in the hallway of the church. I will lay hands on her in the spirit and half in the flesh, but mostly in the spirit. Because what are the things that can get you mad? What are the things that really get you heated? See, a person made of gold, when it comes to certain things, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. I'm glad you're talking about me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad I'm on your lips. I'm glad I'm on your mind. Praise the Lord. I wish I wasn't, but at least I am. Praise. I'm glad you're thinking about me. <laughs> I love haters. Love you guys. Love you. See, because a person made of gold understands that, listen, people are going to talk. The trials are a part of what happens. Gossip should not be happening because of you. In other words, You shouldn't be the one saying the gossip. If if gossip happens at you, well, that's kind of a normal part of the process of life. But a person made of gold doesn't allow the gossip. In other words, you just wipe it right off. And it looks brand new. That's what gold does. Just wipe it right off. Brass, you have to constantly, every day, all the time. Okay, let me, okay, how you doing, brother? Oh, okay, well, this person talked about me yesterday. Okay, amen, praise the Lord. Let's talk about that, all right. Then the next day, oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, but now somebody else is talking about me. Why don't they keep talking? Okay, amen, brother. How you doing? All right. Oh, well, you know, and then constantly, all the constant upkeep. Because with brass, it's constant upkeep. Constantly. But when it comes to things being made of gold, God is very serious and he loves that. Even so much in Exodus chapter 37, the Bible says the cherubim was made out of beaten gold. Not just any gold, but beaten gold. In Revelations chapter 20 and 21, the Bible says that in heaven, you and I are going to walk on streets. You know what I love about this scripture? I'm not going to get too much into it, but I love it. I've studied the scripture. It's not in my notes, but I've studied it. I like it a lot. The Bible says they're going to walk on streets of gold. And it says right there, it says actually it's going to be crystal clear. Did you know that pure gold is crystal clear? There's no alloy in it. There's no other minerals. There's no, it's pure. It's like wow. So when the Bible says we walk on streets of gold, I don't know if you've ever seen, in uh, I believe it's in the city of Chicago. I want to say the Sears Tower that they have, they have a, a floor that is up there. It's, it's around 150th floor. There is a floor that you could walk out on, and it's glass. You're 150 floors in the air, and you walk out. You're like, whoa. And it looks fake. I don't know. Has anybody ever been there? Anybody ever seen that? Okay, you seen it before, just a few of you? That's, I don't know. Uh, some of you, you don't even like to go up on the, you know, the rides at you know, Great America. You're like, ooh, you know, it's too high. This says that the, we're going to be in the heavens, it's going to be crystal clear. That's really what you call walking on air. But the Bible says it's gold. So in other words, it's the strongest surface you can ever walk on. Strongest. And it's crystal clear. Isn't that great in the thing, things of God? Things are upside down. They're backwards. I don't get it. I can't see it, but I'm walking on it. It's crystal clear. In Leviticus chapter 19, it's called the golden rule. Does anybody know the go- golden rule? There, come on, some of you real rangers, come on, missionettes. Right? Right. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's the golden rule. That's something that you must be able to do. See, when it comes to gold, there's so many different portions of Scripture that talk about when it comes to gold, it's very precious and very royal. Tell your neighbor, royal. Now, in light of yesterday's winnings, I know some of you Raider fans will not exactly like this, but I'll, I'll preach on a message on silver one day. Amen. Amen. <laughs> then again, that is what, you know, Judas traded Jesus for. So... Oh, that's cold, huh? That's cold. It's messed up. That's gold blooded, man. That is gold blooded. That's <laughs> cold, huh? I gotta stop doing that. That's messed up. I really honestly I really do want the Raiders to win because I'm tired of like having you guys come depressed sometimes. Like, man, my team. <laughs> I'm not joking. I met a guy in San Diego. True story. Met a guy in San Diego when I went down there. And he told me that when the Chargers lost the Super Bowl, he was so into it. He was, I mean, I mean, he's got tattooed Chargers, tattoo, Chargers. But he told me, he goes, when the Chargers lost the Super Bowl, I think it was in 94, right? They lost the Super Bowl. He said that he was so depressed, he did not come out of his room for a week. I met him in church. It was a true story. He said he didn't come out of his house, out of his room for a week. It's crazy, huh? See, some of you, you're too attached to them football teams. And then you you get all, yay, if the Niners win, yay, if the Niners lose, oh, you're depressed. That shouldn't be where your happiness comes from. I say it in jest, I say it in humor, but that's not where your happiness should come from. Your happiness should come from God. See, here in the, uh, as I begin to study about gold, in the early 1800s in the U.S., they had what was called the gold rush. And this gold rush was actually found by the Mexicans in the 1830s. It's just that the Mexicans, believe it or not, they had no idea what was happening in their discovery. See, this was the classic American story. And oddly enough, look at this, very few people got rich off of the gold itself. Success for this gold rush was followed by a willingness to try and fail, try and fail. See, the American culture had originated from New England, and they did not have tolerance for failure. Failure was actually equated with sin. And moral failing. So in the gold rush, everyone understood that luck was just as much a part of hard work as anything else. They did not lose their passion to try and fail. Try and fail. Now as I begin to study about how they did the, the gold and how they looked for gold, this is actually where you get that saying, all that glitters ain't gold. Have you heard that before? I think It was a Prince song. Didn't he do that? the Prince in the 80s, those of you 80s babies. I think he wrote a song, Gold, and he says, all that glitters ain't gold. Well, he actually got it from the, in the 1830s and 1840s when the gold rush came, what they would do is they would get the pans and they would, you know, get through the mud and they would sift through it. And what they would do is they would put it in there and they would take it and they would shake it. And they would shake it. They would begin to shake it. They would get get the pan and they would swirl it and the water would go around. And what they would do is as they would shake it, the real gold would go to the pan, and it would sit. And it would sit right there. And it wouldn't go anywhere. But the fake gold, now this is the difference here. It's called fool's gold. Because it looks like it, but it fools you. And what it would do is it would glitter. It would look good. And what it would do, it would go to the top. And so everybody that looked on the top of it would go, ooh, look, there's the gold. But they began to learn that all that glitters Ain't really gold. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it actually really is good. Because the real gold is found at the bottom. The real gold has depth to it. Real gold has some strength to it. In other words, even though it gets shooken up, it doesn't move. So when the gold rush came, they began to understand, let's shake this up. And all the fake stuff, we're going to take it off the top and get it out of here. Because all that glitters ain't really gold. See what you and I must begin to understand that when it comes to being made of gold there are going to be things that shake you but you do not want to be made of fool's gold. All that glitters is really not gold. It must be tested. Somebody say tested. Now the other day I took a gold coin and I took it to a shop and I wanted to see if it was real gold. So what they did was they took this gold coin and right, like it's nothing. I mean, it's like he does it every day. But I, I wanted to really know the process. How does this work? And so what he did is he got the, the gold coin, and he's just going. He's got this. And he takes out this stone, this test on a little pad, and you know, real hard right there. And then he gets in and he, he wipes it on the pad right there. Then he takes this, this little, you know, uh, bottle, and he puts some acid on it. He looks at it, and he's like, and he's just going real quick. And I'm asking him, what is that? What is that? What is that? And he's like he's looking at me like, dude, why do you want to know the process of gold? Oh, I thought you just want to know if it's real or fake. I go, no, 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 I want to know the process. Give me the process. He's like, okay, well, this is the rock. This is. The th-. He was looking at me like I was a funny guy. It's like I'm not being funny. I really want to know. So what they do is they take this test stone. This test stone is made of. Nov- I want to say this right. Novaculite. Novaculite. It is considered to be highly siliceous sediments and may be a product of a low-grade metamorphism of sharp beds. The color of the rock stone varies from white to gray, and it is a very dense rock used as a whetstone. It has been, ma- been mined since prehistoric times, both as materials used as an arrow for spear points and also for sharpening stones. The word novaculite is derived from the Latin word novacula which means for razor stone. So this stone was made for hard-pressed things to come against it. Now watch this. The stone gets this acid. It's called nitro, nitromuratic acid. Now look at this. Stay with me here. It's a corrosive, fuming, volatile mixture of hydrochloric and nitric acids used for testing metals and dissolving platinum and gold. Also called nitro... Hydro hydrolyric acid. Now look at this. In the Latin, the word is aqua regia, the word for water, aqua, and regia, which is also for regius, which means royal. So what it is is this stone is able to predict or, or able to show if what's against it is a royal metal. First Peter chapter two verse nine. Says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. See, in order to see if what you're made of is really royalty, you're going to have to be tested. If you really are a royal priesthood, then you're going to be tested. The definition of royal is of or suited to worth of a king or queen, belonging to a king or queen. This word royal is the same word in Exodus chapter 19 which in the Hebrew means kohen which means look at this acting as priest or layman now watch this cuz everything if you're going to learn it you got to take it backwards right tell your neighbor take it backwards and cuz remember in English we go from left to right but in the Hebrew they go from right to left so you got to take it backwards okay you and I are a layman a priesthood that is Royal belonging to a king or queen. We are belonging to a king or queen that are in his place that must be tested in order to show yourself approved. If you are going to be a royal priesthood, because remember, as a royal priesthood, you act in place of the king. That's what you do. In other words, you just don't come here and say, I'm the court jester. Oh, I come here and I, I, just, I just serve the water. Oh, I just come here I just shake people's hands. No. Actually, as a royal priesthood, you act in place of the royal priest. So when you talk, you're not just talking like a normal person. You are talking like a priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. See, this is something that I was thinking about and I was studying the other day about music. I wish rappers would get this. I really do. I wish rappers would get this because they think that just, I'm not talking about worldly rappers. Worldly rappers just say whatever they want. They talk about cussing and drinking and guns and knives. Sinners are supposed to sin. That's what they do. I'm talking about Christian rappers. I'm talking about men and women that understand the worth of God. And the words that they speak are godly words. See, you, mean, you must understand that when you speak, you speak godly words. You act on behalf of the royal priesthood. That when you speak, what comes out of your mouth? Is it stuff that says, well, look at her, and look at him? Or is it words that say, you know what? God's got a plan for you. God's got something for you. See, some of you here this year, in order to make sure that God is going to answer your prayers, the steps of a righteous man availeth nothing. you got to say, you know what, God? I want to be made of pure gold. Not the fake gold. Not the fool's gold. See, last year... And this is where I'm concluding. Last year, many of you, you probably got through last year saying, all right, I, just, I made it another year. All right, God didn't come back. I think I got another chance. Okay, woo! I, I wasn't perfect last year, but hey, at least I'm here. Maybe I'll go by another year and be okay with it. You know what that's called? Fool's goal. Because you know who you're fooling? Yourself. You want to look good to everyone else. You look, all right, hey, good job, all right. You're a good person. You stopped cussing. Good job. And we think, all right, see, I'm a good person now. I don't really, you know, I mean, every once in a while I might do this, but, I mean, not that bad. Fool's goal. All right, I'll, look, I came to church now. I finally made it. All right. Came to church. I want you to know something. You're fooling yourself. Because at least, hey, at least I made it. See, God never said, I want to give you the least amount of life that you can have. God says, I want to give you an abundant life. I want to give you the great life, not the sorry life, not the sad life, not the just barely making it life. I want to give you the great life, the good life, the powerful life, the, the, the life that is full of depth and made of gold. Can I hear an amen? See, some of you here this year, and I say this with all sincerity, and I say this with all strength and integrity, some of you this year, you're not going to barely make it. You're not just going to barely do it. Because you know what that is? That is a life made of brass. That is a life that is fooling everybody. That is a life that is looks, it just looks good on the outside, but this year you're going to say, I don't want to just barely make it. I want to be a man a woman that is going after God's own heart. That this year, it's going to be my year. This year, things are going to shake around me, but I'm going to settle. I'm going to be right here. I know what God has called me to do. I'm not going to be a man or woman that is swayed by everything else. But when I speak, I'm going to be a royal priesthood. Some of you there in the home, quit coming in and out. No more in and out. That's That's fool's gold. All right, I'll, I I'm I stopped smoking now. I I think I could I think I could stop hitting on my wife now. No, stop doing that. Quit playing around. I'm a good I'm a good husband now. You ain't seen your wife in one month now. You think you're a good husband? No. You want to be a good husband? You stick it out. You stay there. I understand what you did before was the past, but that's the past. Don't fool yourself. I'm a, I am stopped drinking now. I, I've been off drinking for two weeks. No. Show sure, you. Get the, the, the guy that's in the home, you know what he is? He's your test stone. He's the one that sharpens you. See, every single one of you here, you have a person that you don't like. You, they just get on your nerves. You wish that God would wipe them off the face of the earth. Take the rapture now. Just take them, though. Not me. Take them. Because I've got a good life. You know what they are? That's your test stone. They're the ones that sharpen you. That's what that is. And then you know what this is? You know what the word that comes from behind the pulpit? That's the acid that tests you to see if what you're really made of is true. I'm a good person. Okay, let's try it. Let's, Let's put it up against the word of God. Are you really a good person? Are you really a godly person? Let's put it up against the word of God. See, that's how you can really tell. So, the person that you may not like, the person that gets on your nerves, you know what they really are? It's your test stone sharpening you. Oh, to get on my nerves. Actually, it's just trying to see if you're really made of gold. It's really what it is. Some of you are going through it. Some of you, even before you got here in your marriage, oh, God, I know she's my wife, but Lord, just let her sleep in another room. Please, before I lay hands on her in the name of Jesus, I'll do it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, no, that's your wife. You sleep in the same room. You're right there till death do you part. That's that's it. It's a law of God. What? This does not make any sense. This yes does. That's your test stone. That's your test stone. You may not like that's your test stone. And then we're gonna see if that testing is really true. We're gonna get this word and we're gonna put it up against you and we're gonna see. Because any acid that goes on fake gold, what it does, it eats it up, and you won't see it anymore. Try it on your own time. What try it? Go to the store or even get your own. You can order it, you can get it right there. Test it. If you're some of you think, well, I got I got my ring is gold. It's pure. I know it's real. Test it. Test it. You really wanna see it? Test it. You know what they got now? They got commercials they got commercials that are showing, look at this two-carat diamond. And then here's another. You can't tell the difference. Well, that's true. On the outside, you really can't tell the difference. I mean, it looks exactly like it. If you really want to tell if it's real, test it. See, as a Christian, the reason why you're going through those testings and those trials, don't think, oh, man, God, why is he, why is he doing this? No, it's testing you. It's testing you to see if what you're really made of is true. Listen, this year, 2013. I believe with all my heart that some of you, you're going to be made of pure gold. Pure, that you're going to come out of this, this 2013 shining like the royal priesthood of who you are. You're going to do it. This year is your year. Your marriage is going to be stronger than ever. Gold is the, uh, the strongest metal that you can find, it's strong, it's pure. But you know what, it, it may come, you might get that beaten gold. Oh, Why is it going to be, oh, man, oh, wow, this hurts. It's making you stronger. It's making you stronger. You know what, this year, some of you this year in 2013, you know what you got to do? You know what, I got to say goodbye to the old. You say goodbye to the old. I'll never forget this one day. My father said this we were talking about this. He said, you know what, some of you, and I say it here this morning, I say the same thing in 2013, you're going to have to get up off your brass. It's funny, huh? You can laugh. I laughed when I heard it. I was cracking up. You're going to have to get up off that. I'm satisfied with just doing this. I'm satisfied with the bare, bare minimal. I'm just, yeah, just barely making it. All right, I, I made it. No. There's no more of that. One thing that I know without a shadow of a doubt, this this church is going to be made of pure gold. Men and women that are in this church that have been through some things, that got some things, that have seen some things, that have done some things. They're not happy about every single one of them, but I want you to know something. Everything that you've been through has been made so that you can be made of pure gold. So that when people look at you, when people see your marriage, when people see your parenting, they say, man, that is a valuable marriage. That is a valuable person. They are made of pure gold. See, when you graduate the home, you know what people say? They look at you and say, man, that man's made of gold. Because if he can make it through the home, whoa, he's been tested. He's gone through something. That's why every single one of these men that have been through the home, they know it. When they see a graduate, they go, that's gold right there. It's gold right there. See, some of you right now, you're in the middle of your marriage. Maybe you're like two years married, three years married. You're like, oh, man, I think I got the wrong one. No, you don't. You ain't got the wrong one. That's the right one. That's yours. Put the ring. Keep it on your finger right there. Don't take that off. What are you going to replace it for, brass? It's yours. You cherish it. You honor it. You find it worthy of something called marriage. It's honorable. That's all I want to tell you this year, 2013. I know you've been through some tests, and you're probably going to go through some more tests and some more trials. But all those things are just to find out if you're made of pure gold. This year, no more brass. No more fool's gold. I'm going to be made of real gold. Can I hear an amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise here this morning. Brother A.J. comes. That word royal means acting as a priest. Acting layman. When you speak, When you share, you speak the royal priesthood words. You share the royalty of God. I pray here this morning that you and I would be able to speak and allow God's words to speak to us and also through us. Royalty. We're acting laymen. Some of you, you may think, well, one day I want to be a pastor. Pastor. I'm going to be a pastor. And listen, I believe that you are. I believe that you can. The Bible says that those that desire that, that's a noble thing. That's great. That's good. But you need to know one thing. That even before you have the license, before you get this thing as a pastor, you need to act like it first. Start acting like it. I shared this with one of the, the men the other day. And i don't forget this. This was a, kind of a turning point, if you will, in, in my life. I was, a, I was a youth leader at the time. It was probably around 19 years old, 18, 19 years old. I was a youth leader here in this church, and I had a, um, had, we had a lot of youth. You know, we would go up and down. We would have 40, 50, 60, sometimes 80, 100 youth. I mean, it was good. It was great. And I'll never forget. It was, it was a moment where my father he was sharing some things with the leaders and the church, and sharing some things. And the youth were there, and they heard it. And my father was talking about loyalty and strength and your pastor. And I'll never forget when it was all over, service was over, this young man walks up to me, probably at the time, maybe, I don't know, 13, maybe 14. yeah, maybe about 13. So it was junior high, eighth grade. And he comes up to me, you know, I'm just there, I'm just, you know, doing my thing. And he puts his hand on my shoulder and he goes, You're my pastor. I was 19 years old, I'm like, I'm not a pastor. Why are you call me a pastor? And I even told him that I go, dude, I'm not a pastor. He goes, I wish I was joking. He goes, he looks at me. He goes, shut up. You're my pastor. All right. I wish I was joking. Really not. But that's yeah, you know. No, I understand. I mean, junior high. You know, they just say whatever on their mind. Yeah, you know, just saying the truth. And you know, I understand that. But I understand his principle, what he was talking about. But that was kind of a turning point for me. I didn't have a license. I wasn't a pastor. But he told me there at that moment. He didn't just say, hey, you're my pastor. He said, hey, you're made of real gold. and I want to follow you. I like what you represent. I like what you say. I like what you share. And that's a hard thing to accept because you're like, whoa, I don't kick back here. I'm I'm still young. I want to live my life, I want to do a bunch of things. And he says, no, follow you. Never forget that. That hit me. Kind of like we say, like a ton of bricks. But the thing about it is because prayerfully, and I guess the results do show, when something hits you like a ton of bricks, it doesn't break you. And it didn't break me. It made me stronger. I said, okay. And I guess this is the pathway that God has for me. Some of you here this morning, you want to be a pastor or a leader. That's great. That's good. I'm glad you aspire that. But start walking in it. Just start doing it. Start acting. You you, you want to hang around or you want to be like an eagle, hang around eagles. Some of you got to stop hanging around chickens. I want to fly like them. But you keep on clucking like a chicken. Man, I want to do great things. But you keep hanging around people, all they do is talk about bad things. Man, I want to do that. But you keep hanging around people who are doing this. Listen, I know it's not an easy thing. I understand that. And I'm not here to show you that it, it, it's an easy thing. Gold is not easy. It must be tested and tried many times over. If you were here a couple weeks ago, I talked about dross. It must go through the heat to get rid of all the garbage. That's what dross is. Dross is just another word for garbage. It's garbage. It's horrible. It must go through the heat. Once it comes up, it rises up. Okay, we get rid of it. Gotta be tested. So I know right now, and I understand that here in the midst of a church service, you can get real emotional like, yes, God, that's me. But then you leave here and you're like, okay, that was really not who I thought I was. I understand that. I've been there, I still am there. I get tested all the time. Don't think for a second that as a pastor, he's trial free. <laughs> I wish. I wish there was, like, a level where you just get to and, like, no more trials. Bigger levels, bigger devils. So I'm learning. So I'm telling you this because, look, I don't want you to come and say, oh, man, I felt it. I felt the call of God. But then you leave here and, and go, well, I don't, I don't really feel it anymore because as long as the pastor's not preaching behind a mic, I don't feel it. Then I'm telling you, that's that fool's goal. Because you feel it here, but then you leave here and say, well, maybe it's not what I thought it was. I want you to know this. I understand we come to church and we feel the presence of God. and It's powerful. But more so than you feel it here, I want you to embrace it here and take it with you. And determine without a shadow of a doubt. Listen, I may not get along with this person, but this person is in my life for a reason. They're testing me to see if what I'm really made of is gold, to see that what I might really have is pure. I want all this ugly stuff out of me. So God, give me that word. I know it kind of eats away at some things, but God, eat away and take away the things that don't need to be there because I want to be pure. I want to be be a pure man. I want to be a pure husband. I want to be a pure mind, pure heart, pure body, pure soul. I want the things that come out of me to be pure. God, I may not like everything. I may not feel it all the time. But God, my heart longs for you. Longs for you. You're not going to be a perfect person. You're not going to have it all together. That's not what God is looking for. God's not looking and say, now you got a perfect marriage. Now I can use you. God's saying, no, you're an imperfect marriage. You're an imperfect people. That's a perfect time for me to give you my perfect will. Now I can use you. That's it. That's all it is. With every head bowed and every eye closed, here this morning, I want to challenge you, those of you that this morning that you may say, I know the pastor, he's about to make an altar call, and I know what's coming. I know the testing. Some of you, this is not your first testings, so you actually need to make this altar call because this is another one for you. But for those of you that this is your first time saying, man, I don't oh, I, I don't know, I don't know. There's only one way to find out. Take it through the test. Take it through the test. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And you say, you know what, I, I've, I've been going through some things that I didn't really want to. I didn't fully understand. But now I understand. God's been taking me through some testings to see if what I'm really made of is right. If what I'm really made of is pure. Now I wa- know why my friends keep asking me to come on out. Now I know why my, 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 my sister, my brother, they keep calling me saying, come on, man. You're a good person now. Now you can hang out with this. Now you and they keep testing you, keep testing you, keep testing you. Saying, man, why am I going through this? is going to be made of pure gold. You're going to be a pure man, pure husband, pure wife, pure woman before God. With every head bowed and every eye closed. And You say, you know what? I know God has called me to be a man or woman, or even a young man, young woman, boy or girl, to be made of pure gold. These trials that I go through, I'm getting it now. I understand it now. I may not like it, but it's not about me liking it or not. I'm going through these testings for a reason on purpose for a purpose. If that's you, as he begins to sing this song here this morning, what I want you to do is I want you to stand, slip out of your seat, I want you to come to this altar, and I want to pray with you right here, right now. We're going to believe God for what's in your life. I'm telling you, God is going to do something powerful and great within your life like never before. This year, in 2013, you're putting the old...